Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Guys, I missed you last week. Uh, I did tune in to the podcast during a, during a run of mine this week, and it uh, I know we, all, we always talk about, we're always concerned about trying to get this thing in under an hour. And uh, it worked well for a, for a long run. And I enjoyed listening to you guys. You were missed. We tried to muddle through the best we could. I, uh, I have to say, um, I, I was out because my grandfather died, who uh, would have turned 96 this week. And I, I only mention him because he's largely, I think, responsible for my love of baseball. He was a, the head baseball coach at Harding University in uh, Searcy, Arkansas. And when I was a kid, I would go and he would let me sit in the dugout and uh, during games. And that was just like the best possible thing uh, in my eyes that that could happen to a kid. I love that so much. And I I remember watching these kids uh, play and, you know, it was NAIA school. But to me, these kids were like, uh, you know, these guys were like, you know, I might as well have been sitting in the dugout at a major league baseball game. It was incredibly, uh, incredibly fun. But uh so yeah, I, I only mentioned that my grandpa actually played uh, played for the Arkansas Travelers uh, in the Southern Southern. I think it was the uh, Southern Association at the time back in the '40s. So lifelong uh, lifelong baseballer. But uh, that's that's why I was out last week. Uh, and I come back and now suddenly it seems like spring training is here uh, or almost here. Um, pitch, pitchers and catchers reporting this week. Games begin next week. Um, games starting on Sunday, February twenty eighth. Can you guys believe this is this is happening? I know. I think every year, you know, people are like, "Oh my god, spring training is here!" Can you believe? But but this is this is different. Uh, I can't believe it because there are fifteen inches of snow in my driveway and drifts of up to thirty inches. So I'm having a, a hard time believing. And, and can I can I interrupt the spring training musings for one second, Jason? It's time for our first quiz of the day. That was quick. I know. Can you name the only big leaguer associated with Harding University? I don't know if he played there, attended there, or both. He did play. Well, Well, so you know that. I think think you're probably talking about Preacher Rowe. I am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. uh, That was what, back in the 30s, 20s? A little little later, like I think 30s, 40s. 30s, 40s. 38 to 54. Preacher Rowe, 127 early. wins in the big leagues, and, and he did. He yeah. did it. He pitched for the. Ba- I looked at. He did pitch for the baseball team three and seasons. A, uh, pr- proponent of and frequent user of the spitball. And did you know he struck out 26 batters in a game for Harding? I did know that. I just. I actually. Uh, I was doing a lot of uh, a lot of research on on my grandpa, who uh, he actually he he played at Harding before he went back to coach there, and uh, yeah, so I. I Ran upon uh, several anecdotes about Preacher Row. Volunteer coach in thirty eight, thirty nine. Yep, he, he taught all the kids how to throw a spinner. Yeah, he may have and played basketball. 
Yeah, I, I think he he ultimately kind of uh, had his name uh, kind of sullied because he was uh, he was a proponent of the spitball. I think he. I want to say I think he wrote an article like I don't know if it was in Sport Magazine or something after his career ended. Yeah, and people felt season. like that tarnished his accomplishments when he admitted to his doctoring of the baseball. Yep, exactly. Uh, uh, back to spring training. Yes. So, uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, announced a revised schedule with games officially starting on Sunday, February 28th. Um, this revised schedule was created with health and safety considerations in mind. So Cactus League teams are going to play 28 games across 30 days from February 28th through March 29th with two days off. And then in the Grapefruit League, they're going to play a regionalized schedule to mitigate travel. Uh, the teams on the East Coast and Florida are going to play 24 games across a 30-day period with six days off. And then the clubs on the West Coast are going to play 28 games over 30 days with two universal days off. And then uh, there will be some games played at uh, Major League ballparks beginning on March 28th. And then a select few clubs will play an additional spring training game on Tuesday, March 30th. And then the season begins April 1st six weeks after the beginning of spring training. I think, you know, you, you were mentioning how it always seems to kind of sneak up on you're like, oh, it's here, especially with the rhythms of you know what we're doing or putting out rankings and and all of a sudden we're getting ready to travel to spring training at the same time, which isn't happening. But I think because of everything and there were so there was so much unknown, you know, in, in terms of, well, how are they going to handle spring training? When, you know, we didn't know when it was going to start until somewhat recently. Um, you know, I think that, uh, that added to the sort of element of surprise uh, where it's like, well, you know, w- when's it going to be? How, and then all of a sudden the announcement came and go. So it'll be interesting to see how it, how it plays out. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different for us. Um, obviously uh, with minor league spring training, presumably coming later on and uh, you know, there'll be prospects in big league camp, but uh, it's not going to be the same kind of feel that, you know, you know, we were used to and uh, or we were in the middle of even last year when uh, when the shutdown because of COVID first started. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not going to certainly not going to be, you know, what we're used to where, you know, I think the vast majority of minor league players report, you know, well before minor league spring training starts in a normal year. So even if you know, it seems like we've been going earlier and earlier to do stuff with MLB Network as well as for MLB Pipeline. And you know, we've even been in, in spring training like the, the, with a week to go in February, and there's still a million prospects hanging around doing stuff, getting ready for the spring. A lot of them have been there since January, and and that's different this year. They're they're trying to keep the the groups around the big league teams as as small and isolated as possible to you know reduce the risk of anybody getting COVID and and affecting the regular season. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. You know, with you know, not your AAA guys, but your 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 high A, low A, double A players, their spring training is not going to start until the big leaguers have gone off to start the regular season, which will be roughly April first for minor league spring training, and so the minor league season will not start until May, although they're going to compensate by for that by it's my understanding they're eliminating minor league playoffs. And everybody will play through September, not just, you know, the postseason tournaments in the various leagues. So I, I, th- I think when all is said and done, if, if it goes according to plan, there will be 120 or so games played at the, the low A, high A, double A levels. You know, triple A, I, I think, is still somewhat fluid because if, you know, they're trying to keep the triple A guys separate and not doing a lot of travel before vaccinations and COVID gets more under control because they don't want teams to be calling players up, possibly infecting the big leaguers if they've been traveling all over, you know, from AAA city to AAA city. Uh, you know, we'll see, but like, I don't think, I, I think there's the potential that the AAA players may be in more of a alternate camp setup if, you know, the COVID is not contained as well as hope. So it's, you know, we, it's kind of, you know, there's a plan in place, but I, I guess subject to change is the best way to put it. Yeah. I think that the, uh, from what I'm hearing, we should know more about the minor league schedule uh, possibly this week. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited just to see a lot of these players for the first time in, you know, 
for some of them, it'll be in well over a year because, you know, guys who are getting their first invitations to spring training as, as non-roster invitees, these are probably guys who, uh, you know, maybe they were at an alt camp last year, but we wouldn't have seen them. Um, so, you know, guys that we haven't seen play since uh, the 2019 season, crazily. Um, anyone who's, who's I don't know how much uh, attention you guys have been paying to uh, the list of non-roster invitees that have been coming out and all the prospects um, that have been invited, but anyone that's that's jumped out to you or anyone in particular that you're really looking forward to seeing? I, I haven't looked, I haven't followed all the lists, but I, I think the guy who jumps to mind to me and is part of a, a larger class player, like I'm curious to see Semester Torkelson. And, and, I mean, it's not, I was going to say real games and they're spring training games, but against, you know, advanced competition, not at the alt site, not here's a clip, you know, that, you know, the Tigers player development Twitter put out, but like to actually get to see him against some guys. And, and, and I think really for, you know, like anybody from last year, you know, the, the Max Myers of the world, you know, just to see these guys. And, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I still stand by the, the two guys we had, we had this podcast segment last year. And I know this is exactly what you're asking, but like guys we're really looking forward to seeing in 2021, which then we didn't get to see him. And last year, the two guys I wanted to see the most were Jason Dominguez and Marco Luciano. And I don't, I, Jason Dominguez hasn't made his pro debut, so I'm guessing he's not a non-roster invitee to Big League Camp. And I don't know that Luciano is because he's so I young. Think Luciano is. Well, but in any case, which you know, it, may, it makes sense to some degree because you get an extra six weeks of development time if you have guys, you know, invited to Big League Camp. But like, those still are on my. Th- those are the two guys I want to see the most at some point in 2021. I'm, I tell you right now, I'm already voting for both those guys for the Futures game. I don't even care if they play between now and the Futures game. They have my vote for the Futures game. I, I want to see those guys in 2021. Jason Dominguez and Marco Luciano should just make their plane reservations for Atlanta right now. Can you if imagine, I, though, like Jason Dominguez is still in the, like, in the Dominican? And he he's yet to make that? his pro debut, but we're bringing him to the Futures game, Jonathan. There's no argument. He can make his <laughs> pro debut in the Futures game. That'd be a great be story. That and would then be he could come story. announce draft picks that night um, in Atlanta as well. I mean, he could do day two of the draft for us when we're curled up in the fetal position. Um, you know, I'm going to go, I, you know, Torkelson was the first guy that came to mind, but even going back to the 2019 draft, you know, right off, right at the top. You know, so Adley Rushman went out and had his pro debut and, and was solid, but then we didn't see him again. And, uh, you know, I did the Orioles alt camp report and he obviously was the best player there and was unbelievably good. And, you know, he's, probably close to the big leagues, but, you know, as Jim Sonner said, like, we we don't know, you know, and Jason, you were saying, like, we haven't really seen them other than the reports we've gotten. Uh, I want to see just how close he is, you know, how much time is he going to get uh, as a non-roster invitee? Uh, I would assume that he will, you know, get some reps in the minors, but, is, you know, is Adley Rushman going to use spring training as a springboard to get called up sooner rather than later? I don't know. He's a, he's a guy that uh, I'm curious to see uh, and from that, you know, you know, group of the 2019 draftees who maybe got their their feet wet in that first summer, which doesn't usually mean a whole heck of a lot. And then we didn't, you know, hear from them again for an entire year. So I'm excited to see, uh, you know, uh, you know, we have Adley Rushman very, very, very close to the top of our top 100. So, you know, I want to I want to actually finally see what the fuss is all about, uh, you know, beyond what he did when he was in college. Luciano is, is indeed one of the uh, Giants non-roster invitees. Well, Danny, uh, like I said, Jason, you know, it, it, and I've talked to, you know, we, Jonathan and I are both making a million top 30 calls. So you're talking to all kinds of farm directors and scouting directors. And by doing that, because of the way things are set up, and again, I haven't looked at everybody's list. I, I think we may see more like a, like a sprinkling of the very best young prospects in these camps because it gives you an extra six weeks of development that you otherwise wouldn't have had after 2020. So I, I think that's a good move by the Giants. And, you know, they, I'm sure other teams are emulating that too. For more details and a look at the actual spring training schedules, you can go to MLB.com slash spring schedule. I uh, want to take a look ahead at a few other things that we're going to discuss on today's MLB Pipeline podcast. We're going to talk about the uh, the networks MLB Network's Top 100 Prospects show, which just aired over the weekend and that Jim was a part of. Uh, we are going to take a look at the new minor league structure. All of the new leagues and teams have been announced. 
Uh, there's a lot to talk about there. And we want to take a look ahead. Uh, Jim, Jonathan, and Mike Rosenbaum, who we will also discuss later in the in the show, uh, put together a story recently looking ahead at who they project to be the top prospects in 2023. And then we'll wrap up today's show uh, by answering some questions in the mailbag. Uh, we'll be right back after this. We're going to talk Top 100 Prospect Show. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Uh, hopefully you all saw the... Oh, let's let's be realistic. I don't think you all saw it, but hopefully many of you saw the Top 100 Prospects show on MLB Network over the weekend. Uh, Jim, you were on the show as usual. Jonathan, you were not. Uh, but feel free to chime. Actually, Jonathan did make the show, didn't he, Jim? He, he wasn't on the show, but you you guys uh, you guys mentioned him. Yeah, it's you forgot. You for you I did. Wow. You did. We, did we mention him? I was going to thank you for that mention. What did we say? Cause, well, because I know before. Because here's what's to, before the show. Mark Weiner, who's our, our friend and produces a lot of these things, joked that we should just blame anything that we didn't like on Jonathan because he wasn't there to defend himself. So when you asked me that, I was like, "Did we make a joke about that?" No, on I don't the think air? that was it. I okay. think they played. I think they played a clip from a previous show. Oh yeah, you could hear his voice at one point, like talking about. I think when we got to the final three guys, well, maybe one of those guys. Yeah, and then there was okay. it. Yeah, and then there but was see, it. you threw me because we talked about, and I and I thought about it when it got contentious about Randy Orozarena, and I joked with Jonathan about this to say, look, I had Randy Orozarena ranked number one, and Jonathan didn't even have him on his list, and that's why he's number thirty-four. But we, we we did not go there. But when you brought up that question, I was like, do we do we mention him there? So I was thrown. But yes, Jonathan's voice. I don't think we mentioned Jonathan by name, but his voice was part of the show. So you mentioned Randy Orozarena, and we we might as well go right there because that was i think uh one of the highlights of the show for many people and i don't know about you jim because you were <laughs> no, we knew it was coming we knew it was constant coming. barrage of course you did harold is uh th this is uh, harold's really into this and has been for months now uh he contends that randy rosarina because of what he did um uh, primarily in the postseason i i don't i i guess he's also considering what he did in you the, regular, the regular season. season. When I, when I tried to go with like just the postseason, he's like, well, he was really good in September too. So, right. But he, he contends that Randy Rosarina should be the number one prospect in all of baseball. And Jim, as you have explained many times, including on the show, uh, you, you explained why that is not the case. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny. Cause I actually, I had him rank. I mean, you know, we, we start when we do the list, we all rank the guys. And I had him ranked slightly higher, but like one. Yeah, I threw that in. I can't yeah. believe you just threw that in. Well, you had, didn't have him on your list, Jonathan. But no, you, you did. You did. But no, but it was, I was more surprised that I had him higher on the list than we wound up having him because I thought I would have him lower. But in any case, the two things, to the, the, the points I tried to, to, I've made these to Harold before. And I think Jonathan's made them to Harold before yep. is one, 
you can't go nuts about a small sample size. It was an unbelievable postseason. He was very good in the regular season. <clears throat> by by na- by definition, it has to be a small sample size, or he wouldn't still qualify for the list if he if he played enough to lose his rookie eligibility. But I but I dropped in a Brian Doyle reference. I'm sure if Brian Doyle was watching, he was not expecting to be mentioned on the the top one hundred prospect show. I even threw in, and I know Jonathan has done this as well. The fact that you know, hey Harold, Mike Trout only batted two twenty, and you know his first you know crack at the big leagues. Like you probably would have killed him back. Ben for, for not performing well, which Harold denied. Um, but, but, but the point was, you know, the, the bottom line is it comes down to long-term career value. And Randy Rosarena is going to be 26 this year. Uh, you know, it, he's, as we've said, we've said on the podcast, he's impossible to rank because, you know, like with any degree of conviction, because in August last year, Nobody was making any noise that he needed to be anywhere near a top 100 prospects list. He was a projected fourth outfielder who had coming off a great season in AAA where they used like a jacked up baseball that I've described many times as a rock with seams painted on it. And the year before that, he had not been good in AAA. So he repeated AAA with a, with a with a jacked up ball and put up good numbers so you didn't know what to make of that and it, it's just tough but like my point and then I didn't get anywhere with any of these points one of the points is he's 26 years old a lot of guys on this list are 19 or 20 years old and they're going to have a, a major league career of four or five six years greater length than Randy Arozarena plus uh, you know, and Jonathan, I'm sure you've read this, Jason, you probably have too. There have been any number of studies that show there's a big correlation between the age you first get to the big leagues at and how good your career is. Now, it doesn't mean every 19-year-old becomes a superstar and every guy like Randy Arozarena who, who got there and debuted when he was 24, you know, isn't any good, but it does make a big difference. But it, it you know, it was... It got a little bit tiresome, but I think it was good just to illustrate the point of what we're trying to rank and how Randy Arozarena, like you can see in him what you want. You know, he had the greatest you know postseason power performance of all time, so you could you know think he's the best prospect in baseball. I guess if if you want, or if you're Harold, or you can look at it like this guy's 26 and. You know, he's a corner guy. A lot of guys ahead of him on the list are, are five years younger and, and up the middle guys. But, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was going to say the debate will go on forever, but I guess not too much longer because no, he's going to graduate forever. from the list pretty quick. Thankfully. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Hopefully we won't have to have that conversation again. I mean, it, it got to the point where I thought like every every segment we did on the network would would there would be like a, a, an Arazarena section of it. Um, you know, it, it happened frequently. This, you know, this was a, a time where it made sense. Jim, I appreciate you sort of carrying the brunt of it since I couldn't do the show this year. Uh, but uh, I, I will be very grateful when he graduates, uh, graduates off the list uh, at some point early in 2021. Uh, so we don't have to, to talk about it uh, anymore. I, I suggested to Jim that we have Harold on the podcast today to rehash it, but Ooh. he declined. Harold decline or Jim? No, Jim. Jim decline. Well, we could just have Danny drop in the audio from the from the show. And there you have Randy Arozarena. He's showing up already. This has to be a typo. This can't be right. Oh, this is a live show, so I guess we got to keep moving on. This right, Jim Callis. There's no way Randy Arozarena is in the 30. <laughs> Remember to remind you, he set single season postseason records for hits, homers, total bases um, in 20 games in the American League champions. He's not the 30. You said postseason like real major league. Yeah, not not, 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 not the Southern League um, <laughs> oh, in, wow. in, in Major League Baseball playoffs. Wow. He's not the 34th best prospect in baseball, is he? Well, you got to remember what we're looking at here. We're looking at the way I look at the top 100 is long-term career value. Randy Rosarena is going to be 26 this year. So he's five, six years older than a lot of guys on this list. And admittedly, tough guy to rank. I mean, unbelievable postseason, one of the best postseasons ever, maybe the best postseason ever just in terms of individual performance. But you got to look back in September. If we're doing this show last September, you guys aren't even putting him on the top 100 list or grilling me about him because he came out of nowhere. And I'm, so, I'm not saying he's going to be Brian Doyle, but I remember when I was a kid, Brian Doyle was huge in the 1978 World Series, and we never heard from him again. So I, I would I would say we're hedging our bets here a little bit. He's an older guy. There are tools there. He's more of a corner guy. But I'm not I'm not ready to go all in just based on one postseason. I, I've but, never but heard of Steph Curry until he was hitting threes in the NBA either. <laughs> 
Look, Jim. Well, you should have been watching the tournament. He started Davidson. Come on, Harold. See, and you should have been watching took September. Davidson to like the Elite Eight. Because Randy Rosarino <laughs> went off in September leading into it. But I just want to give you a little breakdown real quick and just talk about who this guy is, because to me, he's the number one prospect on the list. Yes. Uh, I, that's how I see it, because power, arm, strength, and speed. He can do all these things. I could have put five things up there, but I wanted to, for time's sake, just show you opposite field power, and he also can hit pulling them. So they start off, hey, we're going to break him in. Left-handers went off. He took off and figured it out in September. He can play some defense. He's got arm strength enough. He can play left field. He makes a nice play, but he's athletic as all get out. But what was impressive is watching him run, too. We talk a lot about power. He does a lot of things for you. That's a ground ball in second, folks. But hold on, timeout. Let's just see who he hit home runs off of. Oh, that's Garrett Cole. That's $300 million. God, see ya. Oh, that's Tanaka. He sent him back to Japan with that home run. <laughs> I mean, after he got his 200-some million from the Yanks. Grinky, he didn't even tell him the curveball was coming. He took him deep. That's another $200 million. Kenley Jansen wants $180 million. I'm just saying, these are the best pitchers of baseball. And I need to drive in to run this serious situation. Oh, that was Clayton Kershaw. Guys, he hit the best pitchers in the sport. Jim, I have a hard time with this one, man, because he is the number one one. prospect on the board for me. Yep, I'm with you. Sorry, Jim. Well, we we won't give anything away. I I was just going to say there's a guy in the Rays organization who's going to be very prominent on the list who the Rays will tell you is a better prospect. Why didn't they bring him up last year? He might have won a World Series for him. Because he was 19 years old. He wasn't 25, so he's got six years to catch up to Randy Arozarena. Oh, we'll we'll wow. see. Like Randy's a fun one to discuss because, again, if we're having this discussion September 1st, nobody's talking about Randy Arozarena being on the number top 100 prospects list. And then two months later, you guys are saying he's the best prospect but, in baseball. But, so that's what, on, that's on, what makes this fun. On, I, on a I'll serious this, tip, though, Jim, on a serious tip, you're watching him perform. Is he not rising on your list and in your mind? And, and then every day yeah. you're like, wow. I mean, Rosarina has to be one of the oddest prospects we've ever had, right? I mean, you know, one of the most polarizing and just the way that he he was so far away from being on the top 100 list, um, you know, a month before, well, it, when we re-ranked it at midseason last year, which was like right before he got called up, right? And well, no, he he missed the first month because he had COVID. So we right. we re ranked I think like a week into the season or right around then, and he I don't think he even came up before the end of August, beginning of September. So he didn't even. If we were having this conversation August fifteenth, he hadn't even played in the big leagues at that point. You know, he he debuted the year before with the Cardinals, but he had not played for the Rays. He made his debut last year on August thirtieth. Um, uh, so yeah, right after the yeah, ring. So I mean, yeah, so like we, I mean, when he got traded, he, uh, the the view, maybe not the Ray. You got to give the Rays credit for seeing something there. But the view, I think, from most people in baseball was, he's got some tools. He's a fourth outfielder. And, and I know my reaction, Jonathan, at the time of the trade was, they just traded Matthew Libertor for Randy Rosarena and Jose Martinez. Like I, I, I was shocked. Um, like like that that trade just really surprised me. Yeah, it was very surprising. I ended up doing a story on on the the job that the uh, Rays Pro Scouting Department did to recognize some trends in in Arena that they thought would play. Now, like is often the case in in stories like this, uh, you know, it's you know, no one, no scout would claim, oh, we knew this is what was going to happen because they know better than that. You know, it surprised everybody in terms of you know how he took the world by storm. And it was a great story, but to, you know, to your original question, Jason, yes, I think this is the strangest, especially in this direction. I think there have been guys that we like, we don't know what to do with who were top 100 guys and then had a bunch of in a bunch of injuries. And we don't, you know, we don't know what to, to, to do with them. Uh, you know, Brendan McKay also from the Rays, comes to mind that we were like, well, his shoulder We're we're not really sure what to do with him. And he's been around for a little while. Uh, but in this direction for a guy to sort of, um, jump, uh, you know, this quickly, uh, y- you know, I think it, it's, uh, it is an impossibility to figure out. And, and I can't even, you, you said you mentioned Brian Doyle, but in that case, that wasn't even like a, oh, this guy was a big prospect 
And now we have to, we, we, you know, if we were in a time machine and <clears throat> ranking prospects and he, he wasn't that kind of guy, you know, so I don't, I don't even know if there's like a, a really. A K-Rod maybe, but he was a relief pitcher. So yeah, I mean, too. K-Rod maybe if like Kevin Moss hadn't gotten 300 plate appearances in his, in his rookie year, you know, when he first came up, I remember that and he was 25. So. You don't um, think eight-year-old Jonathan Mayo would have would have been all over a twenty-four-year-old like light-hitting second baseman who went off for seven games in the World Series? No, I was very excited about Brian Doyle. I loved that guy when I was a kid, but um, I don't know that I would have, you know, uh, even even then, I would have known not to rank him that highly on the prospect list. All right, pop quiz, pipeline uh, podcast, pop quiz number two. Brian Doyle is from. Which of these funnily named U.S. towns? Blue Ball, Pennsylvania. I'm going to have to disqualify myself because I'm looking you know, at his baseball reference. I was looking at his baseball reference page. So I was, yeah, you didn't have yeah. to give the answer away. You could let Jonathan guess. No, I have his page up Jonathan too. Uh, so we, we both would have been like Horse Cave, Kentucky. Yes. For the listeners, Horse Cave, Kentucky, Bald Knob, Arkansas, or Dinosaur, Colorado. Jim, you gave away. Well, I didn't. You gave away the answer. I said I was looking at stage. Well, no, I was just listening. I was just listening. Oh, it was I'm simply sorry. listing I, the options. I thought you. I thought after I said we knew what it was, you were just throwing out Horse Cave. So, uh, well, I'm no, sorry. Was, I botched was, the whole segment for everybody. You think you think that maybe he was watching the Top 100 Prospect Show from Horse Cave? Could have been. Like I, I know if I was, uh, you know, I mean, not to pick on Horse Cave, but like you know, it's pandemic times. You you can't go out as much. What else are you going to do on a Saturday evening, early evening? Uh, <laughs> I, I hope he was watching. He watches every prospect show, hoping every year that he'll get mentioned. Mention me. Mention me. All right. Um, so Randy Rosarino was not the only player discussed in the Top 100 Prospect Show. He was prominently discussed. <laughs> we could have we could have um, spent an hour on him. I know you, you tried. He, he was mentioned enough. And another guy who got a lot of a lot of conversation and uh, had Harold uh, up in arms is Ian Anderson, and for. Uh, you know, I don't think we have to. We don't have to rehash the whole thing, but uh, for for similar reasons, he think he and Harold said he thinks the top two prospects in baseball should be Randy Rosarina one and Ian Anderson number two. And there was there was some interesting conversation I think about uh, Anderson and where he ranks among the other top pitching prospects in baseball. And Dan O'Dowd ranked uh, the top four pitching prospects um, that that we have listed, and I think. Um, or the top four right-handers, so, was yeah. it, Jim? It was McKenzie Gore. The order we have him ranked for now is McKenzie Gore, Nate Pearson, Casey Mize, Sixto Sanchez, Ian Anderson. And obviously the last two guys in that list had more big league success, and Ian Anderson had a lot of postseason success compared to the first three guys. So that was another point of contention. Yeah, I think I think uh, Dan was just ranking uh, the right-handers, right? And he had uh, – I think he had Anderson, too. And um, maybe Mize was was fourth, and he is our uh, second ranked. Yeah, I, ranked I, I, you know, I have less problem with with that. I mean, not saying that Ian Anderson should be the number two prospect in in all of baseball, but in ranking the the pitching prospects, I, I mean, I think you could make the argument. And if you look, <clears throat> it, it's still a you know a smaller sample size, but combined with regular season and the postseason, he topped fifty innings. Uh, so there was a decent amount there. He also, you know, walked almost five per nine in the postseason. Like I'm pretty sure that that won't wouldn't hold up over 200 innings uh, in terms of what he was able to do. Um, you know, much of that came from one really really bad, uh, you know, bad outing in the in the NLCS. But uh, you know, I, I think there's more of an argument to be made that he could or should have been higher. Than there, than the argument for for Rosarina, um, you know, partially because you know this is a continuation of it for a guy who took a step forward and was already a top one hundred guy. You know, there were concerns about his command in in twenty nineteen. It looked like he was making some steps forward. I think there are still some you know question marks about that that need to be answered, which for me is why you know maybe we hedged a a little bit, but. Uh, what, you know, I, I think that one makes a little more sense to me um, than uh, than than the other one. Yeah, you know, I think the argument can be made 
uh, based on what he did and where he was previously ranked, that he could be a little bit higher. Yeah, and, and Dan's argument wasn't so much based on performance as it was from a scouting standpoint. Like I explained, <laughs> and Harold wasn't having any of it, that for me, ranking those, and we have them all ranked close together. And as we've said many times, when you have guys that close together, it doesn't necessarily mean that one guy's, you know, world's better than the other. It's just that's the order we have them in. And my point was, my, my two points were about Anderson and Mize, where I think Anderson's got less breaking ball and less control and command than the other guys. And I like his changeup and I like the fastball, but that's why I would personally have him fourth among those right-handers. And with Mize, Dan brought up that his four-seamer wasn't missing bats and he wasn't commanding it well. And I agree with that. I, I just don't think we saw, you know, what I'm banking on is I don't think we saw the real Casey Mize last year. You know, I, as I've said a thousand times on this podcast and other places, you had guys coming to the big leagues for the first time. They weren't coming from the minor leagues where they were pitching every fifth day and having success. You're coming from all camp, which isn't anything like, you know, playing in, in games, let alone major league games. And then boom, you're in the big leagues. And, you know, Casey did not, you know, one of the strongest things about Casey, you know, if you were ranking his best attributes, you would have his splitter number one and probably his command number two. And just the games I watched him pitch, he did not command the fastball like he had in the past. So he could not set up the splitter as well. But I do think that that he's got so much aptitude that I think, like, I, I think we will see the command, like, as he gets acclimated to the big leagues. And I do think if he needs to make adjustments to the four-seam fastball, either where he, lo- you know, where he's throwing it or he needs to add spin to it, he's he's very conversant. I, I still remember one of my favorite interviews in spring training for, for MLB Pipeline was talking to him. I guess it was 2000. I guess it was 2019. Like it's all a blur now because of the pandemic, but it was a couple of years ago and he was talking about different pitches. And, and I mean, he gets it like, this is a guy who can, you know, refine some things. So I, it's, you know, like, I, I think that that was an interesting conversation and it's just, again, it's, it's a matter of personal taste. So like, I, I like all those guys. I want to see Ian Anderson throw more strikes and I don't think we saw the real Casey Mize. So order made sense to me, maybe not so much to, to Dan O'Dowd or Harold. As as we were uh, discussing this, Jim sent an interesting link in our, <laughs> our Slack channel, the top attractions, uh, things to do in Horse Cave, Kentucky. And uh, I'm not seeing watch uh, the top 100 That's because you can't do that every week. Yeah. These are these are things you could do every week. Like, I don't know, is the Kentucky Down Home, Down Under Adventure Zoo open on a Saturday evening? Probably not. So that's another reason to watch the show. Do I you, did you know, hear that the Kentucky Repertory Theater which was on the list there, is going to be doing a dramatic interpretation of your Randy or Rosarina argument with Harold. It's weird. If you look at the, at the TripAdvisor page I sent you, I think they have them reenacting me and Harold discussing the, the, I, discussing I Randy right. Rosarina. If you see that, the, if people go to the- Is that you holding the band? I think that's Harold in talking that- down to me from the stool. And I'm, I'm, the, I'm the young guy with the banjo receiving wisdom. <laughs> I like that number three on the list is just the bookstore, the traffic light. That's probably that's probably the name of it, I guess, or maybe it's just the bookstore. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the new minor league structure, the the new teams, the new leagues. They were announced last week. We'll discuss that right after this. This past year has shown us that without your health, you have nothing. If you're not well, you can't work, look after yourself, or take care of your family. You can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build. That's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today, before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late. And catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward doctors personalize a health plan with you based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's GoForward.com. GoForward.com.
Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Uh, guys, the new minor league structure, all the different leagues and teams were formally announced by Major League Baseball last week. Uh, we knew the teams uh, more or less uh, from back in December when they were formally invited to become affiliates of the team. So there, there's a lot of shuffling going on in terms of which teams are, which minor league teams are affiliated with which major league organizations. There are some new teams, uh, independent league teams that are now no longer independent and are now uh, affiliated, part of minor league baseball. Um, but I think the, the big bullet points uh, in last week's announcement, in addition to the leagues themselves being laid out, um, were the fact that player salaries are increasing, um, ranging from 38 to 72 percent uh, increase for the 2021 season, um, modernized facility standards better suited for professional athletes, improved amenities and working conditions for players and staff, reduced in-season travel for players and coaches, and better geographical alignment. Um, you know, those were those were the the bullet points in in the release, um, but I think people were probably uh, most I don't know, most interested in the actual layout of the leagues. There are now eleven leagues. Um, each organization has four teams, one at each level: low A, high A, double A, and triple A. Uh, those uh, are divided up into 11 leagues. There are two triple A leagues, three double A leagues, three high A and three low A. And I don't know whether this is meant to change in the future, but they're all just geographically named triple A East, triple A West, double A Central, double A Northeast. And then even within the leagues, the divisions are Midwest, Northeast, Southeast, East. Have you guys heard anything about whether, whether, they intend to rename the leagues if this is just these are just kind of placeholder names or have you guys I, heard anything about that? I, heard, I saw people speculating. I, yeah, I, I haven't I haven't heard whether they will or not. You know, we, we were you know, it, it gets a little clunky. You have the double A Northeast league well, southwest how about the AA northeast division? northeast or the triple a west west yeah <laughs> like um have um, fun writing that that with, uh, so-and-so at the triple a west west yeah i mean we're we are glad I, I i think i can speak for all of us that we are glad that we can now say high a and because class well, a advanced just gets you, you know that was my, my biggest takeaway jonathan yeah like, i know i know you were happy I about hate, that and like but but and hopefully our, our our qa team or our style masters are listening can we change the style now because nobody ever used the term in baseball class a advanced ever um so i'm i'm most thrilled that we have high a and low a as official designations now yeah, I, and I'm hoping they change it. I will. I will go on the record as saying that if uh, if I had a vote, I would suggest naming the leagues or the divisions after uh, former Negro League players. That's what you know. If 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 I was you know starting with a blank slate, which is what this pretty much is, uh, that's uh, that's what I would do. But uh, that's just me. I thought that would that would be uh, a, you know a good look for Major League Baseball. I think it would be a, a cool tip of the hat to that part of, of baseball's history. Um, you know, so that's that's how I would do it. Uh, you know, whether you needed to do it geographically, you know, you probably could for for most of them, you know, for a lot of them, at least in the in the East. But uh, that that's that's my vote. Uh, it's if, interesting. If they are going to rename it. It's interesting too looking at these because, and again, I don't know if it had to do with who owns the the name of the league or the fact that leagues are changing classifications. But if you look at the Low A Southeast League, those are all former high class A Florida State League teams. The Low A West League are all, I believe, maybe not Fresno, high class A California League teams. So you could have retained the names of some of these. You know, at the AAA West. Those are all PCL teams. You know, the AAA East is mostly international league teams. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I, I had not thought I, – I was excited about the low A, high A, but I had not thought about the fact that we would be referring to the AAA West-West 
Las Vegas Aviators or the Double A Northeast Northeast Binghamton Rumble Ponies, <laughs> Northeast the, Squared, the Double A South it. South Biloxi Shuckers. I, That's I, a little you know I, from the the geography part of it. Uh, you, you know. Uh, it, you know, it, it, there's a certain shame that's like some of the short season leagues, you know, are or the short season leagues are no longer and, and and things of that nature. Some of the reconfiguring of who's in what division and and you know who's west and some of it does make uh, a little bit more sense, you know, from cutting down on travel, uh, but also you know geographic proximity to the big league teams. They they tried to move the AAA teams closer if at all possible to the major league teams uh you know and you look at some organizations that had already done things like that you look at the baltimore orioles like almost all of their affiliates were nearby uh you know th- those were some of the you know the positives you know you mentioned like the what used to be the pacific coast league i always used to laugh and ask where memphis you know touched the pacific ocean but um you know, so that that's been fixed, uh, I, I guess, uh, with this new configuration. So I, I think some of that uh, does make it uh, a little more positive and a little bit easier for you know for teams to uh, to go from one location to to the next, especially at the lower levels where that you know it's all bus travel and that that could be, be really really grueling for teams over the course of a season. Yeah, Memphis is. Uh no longer in the Pacific Coast League and, and actually no longer in the league that that closely resembles what was the Pacific Coast League. Memphis is now in the AAA East, um, which is a, a much larger uh, league than AAA West. I think it's, what is that? Is that 20 teams? Yeah, you know, because it goes back to, I, mean, I think the PCL used to be 16 teams versus 14 for the international league. It all goes back to when they, the American association, which I think still exists now as an independent league, but the American, you know, we used to have three AAA leagues and now we have two. Like, so it's, you know, one is by nature, you know, when you're looking at the geography going to be a lot larger. Yeah. So 20, 20 teams in the uh, AAA East 10 in the AAA West, AAA West, does looks like it consists of all former Pacific Coast League teams, uh, yeah, with the exception of the Sugarland Skeeters, and then the East has more changes to it. Um, has several former PCL teams in it. Uh, Memphis, Omaha was Omaha Omaha Iowa. Pacific Coast League teams. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then uh, also add in uh, the Saint Paul Saints, former uh, independent league stalwart. Uh, and the Wooster Red Sox, a new team. Who replaced the right. Red Sox. And then yeah. the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp is kind of an outlier there, but they uh, they, they move into the AAA East. Triple, triple A East, uh, what, Southeast. Southeast. Yeah, I, I joke. See, I, I think you can make the Triple A Northeast and Southeast could be the International League. The Midwest could be the American Association. The Triple A West could be the PCL. It, it seems very odd that like the PCL has been around for over 100 years to no longer have a Pacific yeah same Coast with the international league. league right yeah, yeah. both those yeah. leagues have been around forever um, so it's of course, just there's nothing crazy. international about the international league anymore but. right right oh, I joke that the uh, that that when uh, Kanye West's daughter uh, becomes a a triple A all star she'd be the triple A West East All Star Northwest just to further further cloud that um, so yeah I mean it, it'll be uh, <laughs> It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think there are certainly some positives um, in terms of the travel being pared down, uh, the affiliates being closer. It's going to, you know, that's going to benefit uh, the big league organizations as they travel around to see their players. Obviously, the increased player salaries. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll be a little bit of a, a stick in the mud here. I mean, it's good that they increase the player salaries. You know, the, the percentages look great because the players were making, in many cases, next to nothing. And it's still, I mean, this probably, I, I don't understand why players are paid for five five months of the year. Like, like they, they make a very low salary for five months of the year, and they're expected to go to spring training and not get paid, and structurally you not get paid. You, know, you get a, an allowance to live on. But, you know, it's not like they took like what was a good wage and increased those percentages dramatically. They took horrible wages and increased them. And that's nice. But there's still going to be a lot of players who can't afford to live on their salaries that they're paid for professional baseball um, and yet are expected to 
you know, maximize nutrition and fitness and sleep when they're, when they're not getting paid seven months out of the year. So, I mean, I'm glad they increased them, but there's still a lot of work to be done in that area. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I kind of look at it as, you know, the proponents for, uh, you know, an increase in federal minimum wage, you know, the fight for 15 and, uh, you know, is, is, is one $15 an hour really like a livable wage? That's an entirely different, but you want to move in that direction. So, uh, you know, at least it's a move in a better direction. I, I would agree that there's still work to be done on that front. You're listening to the MLB Pipeline podcast. Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo here with me, Jason Ratliff. Uh, guys, let's look ahead to the future a bit. You uh, worked on a story along with Mike Rosenbaum about who you think will be each team's top prospect in 2023. Always fun to look ahead to the future. We do this story um Every year we look a couple years ahead. Um, so we, the way we want to break this down is we want to take a look at who you think among the, the 30 players listed, uh, one for each team, who you think will be the best hitting and pitching prospects uh, at this point in the future. And Jonathan, you want to lead off? I'll be a homer here and, and go with Quinn Priester of the of the Pirates. Uh, you know, if we weren't going to go Quinn Priester, Mick Abel from, from the Phillies, the, their 2020 first rounder could be in contention. He's also in the, in the story you referenced, Jason, but Priester was a guy who, you know, I want to see go out and pitch a, a full season. Another guy from the, you know, 2019 draft class. So we didn't really get to see much, but as much as any prospect in terms of creating a buzz during a, you know, a. Uh, you know, 2020 season that didn't exist. Uh, Quinn Priester was it. You know, he went to he went to the Pirates alternate site. He got there late, but in the time he was there, uh, was the most exciting pitcher there. And then he went to Instructs and created more buzz, especially because those games were were scouted by other teams. And this is a guy who always had a really interesting combination of projection and now stuff. Even though he's from uh, a cold weather. Uh, area maybe it's from shoveling all that snow, Jim, uh, in, in Illinois. If he's but, home, uh, he's welcome to come finish my drive. Yes, yeah, so part of his workout regimen. But he he showed up in in fantastic shape. The stuff had all ticked up, and it was already really good. Uh, but he already added, you know, a lot of strength to his projectable frame. Uh, you know, chance to have a, a four pitch mix. Um, now, uh, you, you know, he was averaging ninety seven miles an hour plus. Uh, again, very brief sample size, but a guy who created a ton of excitement. Could he start moving really, really quickly and be off this list? Maybe. Then, then you know, we'd uh, sort of give the nod to Mick Abel, I think, uh, who's a half a step behind him as a 2020 draftee. But uh, I think there's a good chance that Quinn Priester could be the best pitching prospect in baseball in 2023. Yeah, and you could even, if, if you wanted to go, I, I, I like those choices. I, mean, I, I would go Priester also. If you wanted to be creative and go with this year's draft. You could always go with a Kumar Rocker or a Jack Leiter or Jaden Hill or, or, or something too. But, uh, but I, but I like that choice and, you know, hitter wise, um, <laughs> I, I joked off before we went on the air, like the, the Jason Dominguez seems like the obvious choice. And I, I think I'm contractually obligated to mention that he's been compared to Bo Jackson and Mickey Mantle and Mike Trout. Cause we have to say that every time. And, and I joked like, unless he's already won two American league MVP awards by then, um, because uh, you know, he has yet to make his pro debut, but he remains the most hyped international prospect that I can remember. Um, and, and I, you know, I was mainly thinking international guys for the hitters. I thought of Dominguez. Uh, you got Francisco Alvarez, the Mets catcher. You got uh, you know Max Acosta with the Rangers, the shortstop. You know, Christian Hernandez out of this year's crop with the Cubs, who. You can't mention his name without mentioning that he's always compared to a, a young A-Rod or Manny Machado physically uh, would be a candidate. But I, I think the international guys are the ones who jump out to me the most among the position players. The uh, pitchers on the list, there are eight pitchers on the list. Uh, J.J. Goss of the Rays, right-hander Jared Kelly, uh, right-hander with the White Sox, Alex Santos, another right-hander Astros, Jared Schuster. Lefty with the Braves, Dax Fulton, lefty with the Marlins, Mick Abel, Quinn Priester, as previously mentioned, and Blake Walston. Uh, quick pop quiz, number three, pipeline pop quiz, pipeline podcast pop, pop quiz, number three. Uh, which position has the most players on our list of each team's projected top prospect in 2023? 
Is it not it pitchers? Is, it is Are you telling pitchers. us it's not pitchers? Shortstop. It is not shortstops. Outfielders. Catchers. You, you've named now the four that had. So there were nine outfielders. I think it's outfielders. Yes. You get through all Eight of them eventually. Pitchers. <clears throat> seven shortstops. Five catchers. And can you name the one player that does not belong to one of those four groups of, of positions? Jordan Walker. That is correct. The only third baseman on the list. Who might wind up in the outfield when all is said and done. All right. So that, that story is on uh, MLB.com slash pipeline. You can check it out there. Each team's projected top prospect for 2023. Guys, let's uh, move on to the mailbag. We have a few questions here to answer this week. Uh, we will start with Pete Bell's question at PBCoolJ44 says, had Joe Adele been eligible for your top 100 prospects, would he have fallen out of the top 10 in light of his 2020 performance? Where do you think you would have slotted him? Would he have ranked ahead of Randy Rosarena, Jonathan? Yeah, I was, I was going to say, you know, uh, Harold, well, Harold probably would have been inconsistent and uh, kept him high. But um, I mean, it's, it's like, I'm glad, like, the reason I like this question, I and mean, we've talked about this, is, I mean, Joe Adele. Did not look good at all. He struck out 55 times in 132 plate appearances and hit 161. And, you know, doesn't qualify for our list because of service time. He's a few at bat shy. But, you know, again, like I was saying about Casey Mize, this was not a normal year. You know, Joe Adele was young. He, he didn't have a lot of AAA experience to begin with. It's not like when he made his big league debut in August, he was coming off of four months of playing games every day against AAA competition. He was he had the layoff after spring training, and then he's at all camp doing whatever you could do at all camp, which again is nothing like you know playing in a big league game. And it's like boom, hey, now you're playing every day in the big leagues. Go get them. And, and I and I just don't think it's fair to punish guys too much for that. Like I like for me. Like maybe we would have dinged him a little. Like I know I, I don't remember where he was when he, when he exited the list, but he was in the top ten. Like maybe you argue him behind Christian Pache and Dylan Carlson, yeah. apples to apples. But I mean, you're talking about a guy who you know got to Double A when he was 19 years old and is a tremendous athlete and has all these tools. Like I, I think you could also you could still make a case, and I think I, I you know honestly I probably would. I still think he's going to have more offensive impact than Christian Pache. So like I probably would have argued him somewhere in that 10 to 12 range. Um, and, and then you get into the question, well, is it really fair to slide him behind Bobby Witt and C.G. Abrams, who haven't even played full season ball? Like, you're punishing Joe Adele. So we might have downgraded him on the list a spot or two, but personally, I would not have been able to, to say, like, oh, geez, he hit 161 with 55 strikeouts and 130 plate appearances. He's got to come off the list. Like, I, I, and and I, I, he would definitely have been a top 15 prospect for me. Yeah, I think I think he probably would have ended up outside of the top ten, maybe in that eleven to fifteen range. If he ended up in the sixteen to twenty range, maybe uh, at, at that would be at worst. You know, I'm kind of thinking like the 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 flip side of the coin is Cabrian Hayes, right? Who was up and hit incredibly well, uh, was up for. Uh, you know, had less playing time, obviously, than than Adele did because Adele graduated off, and we moved Hayes all the way up to, into the top ten. So I think that you know, using that as an argument, I think we would have had to we would have knocked him down some, but I I think the lowest he would have been would have been right around where we have Royce Lewis lit around seventeen, or maybe uh, behind or, Ian Anderson, given maybe that Ian was Ian back Anderson. to But like yeah, Joey Bart struggled too. Like, but didn't right. play as much. And we moved Bart from like 12 or 13, I think, to 23. Yeah. He definitely would have ranked ahead of Joey Bart um, and probably ahead of JJ Plade. Yeah. Yes. No, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have him outside of the top 20. Good question. I like that question. All right. PB Cool J44, yeah. welcome to ask questions anytime. It was a weekly question, Pete. All right. Well, moving on to a uh, question from B8989 Michael who asks, can you talk about Luis Matos? He's had massive buzz from some other publications that cover prospects, but you haven't really talked about him. Uh, what are you hearing? Yeah, you know, I, I do our Giants list. Um, he's fascinating. You know, he's, a, you know, again, a guy who didn't get a chance to develop. He is yet to play, uh, you know, in the United States beyond five games in the Arizona League at the end of his 2019 pro debut. Um, you know, he, he hit 362 with the 1,000 ops in the Dominican Summer League, and, he, and he's tooled up. I mean, he's 
He's a right-handed hitter, uh, advanced at the plate, line drive machine. You know, it, it's hit over power, but it might be 20 homer power, a solid to plus runner. Um, I, I think he's got a very good chance to stay in center field. Um, you know, he's got just a ton of upside. It's you know, he's a little tricky to rank because again, he hasn't made his U.S. debut. Um, you know, he didn't make our top 100, but he will he will be firmly in that uh, that five to ten range when our, our our Giants list comes out. He's you know they've got you know I, I've written this a bunch of times in, in conjunction or associated with Marco Luciano that they have not developed a homegrown international all-star since Pablo Sandoval in 2003. But right now they have Marco Luciano, they have Luis Matos, they have Alexander Canario, who's an outfielder, Luis Toribio, who's a third baseman who gets overlooked. They, they, they have really stepped it up internationally in the last couple of years. They have some younger guys too who haven't even played pro ball yet from the 19 and 20 classes, but their, their international department is really doing a nice job and, and that, that panda drought will, will end in the near future. All right, let's move on to our final mailbag question, which comes from Nathan Swartz at Pez in eight. More likely to rise to a top of rotation kind of guy. Cody Bolton, Tanaj Thomas, or Brendan Malone? Well, I can say, and I do the I do the pirates list, so this uh this divvies up uh quite nicely uh today. So uh good choices. I can say for certainty it's not Cody Bolton, uh, who I actually really like and is going to move up uh, on the list, but he's got more of a kind of mid-rotation, workhorse kind of feel. Um, you know, good pitcher, three three at least average pitches with good control, but he's he he's doesn't seem to be the kind of guy who's going to front a rotation. And I, I like – qualifying because you never know you know who, who's going to be at the top of the rotation i i don't use the term ace hardly ever because there are so few true ones i think if i were going to pick one you know, both tana thomas and brendan malone <clears throat> have electric stuff the kind of stuff that could be <clears throat> top of the rotation kind of stuff and it's going to come down to to command and control and both are so far away um, Tanaj Thomas is going to make a nice leap up the, the Pirates top 30. I'm going to give the slight edge to Brennan Malone only because he's so athletic. I feel a little more comfortable with the possibility of him figuring out the, the command piece. Um, but I think Thomas might have a slightly higher ceiling uh, with less certainty of him throwing enough strikes to to be a starter long, you know, for 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 long term. But both are are in the same ballpark. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I got all choked <laughs> up talking about the Pirates top thirty. Um, that uh, that I, I do think that uh, you know they both have that kind of potential ceiling uh, when all is said and done. They're going to be in the same ballpark, and you know when we roll out. I was the say, Jonathan, I, I like the the use of workhorsey as an adjective. And I think the correct answer to your question there you go. was Quinn Priester. But uh, but but I enjoyed your analysis there. All right, that's <laughs> going to do it for the mailbag, uh, guys. Before we wrap up here, we would be, of course, remiss not to uh, discuss a little bit our good friend Mike Rosenbaum, who has worked with us here for uh, the past five and a half years. Um, to I guess. You know, we, we talk about this uh, sometimes, but to pull the curtain back a little bit on how things are done here, Jim, Jonathan, and Mike for the past five and a half years have uh, split the 30 teams in, ter- in terms of uh, primary ownership of those teams. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's a daunting task. There's a, a lot of work, that not, not just that goes into the rankings of the teams, but we do a lot of stories where we, you know, we identify a player uh, from all 30 teams and, and they split those up and, uh, you know, bounce ideas uh, off of each other. Um, they run their rankings by each other. There's a lot of feedback back and forth, but they divide those teams up um, between the three of them. And Jim and Jonathan, uh, you know, have been doing this. I, I think I saw one of you uh, say maybe in a story recently that between the two of you, you've been doing this for 50 years. Is that, is that correct? I, I, yeah, I, I started 
at Baseball America full-time in December 88. And Jonathan, I know you're at least 20 years. So I knew we were over 50 between us. And, and you know, Mike uh, came in in a, uh, in a spot where he's working with two of uh, the most seasoned and best uh, prospect analysts in, in this space and, uh, and really um, grew into his role over the past five and a half years, did excellent, excellent work and was just uh, an absolute pleasure to work with uh, every single time you ever had, you ever dealt with him. He was always a pleasure to work with, but uh, you know, we just want to express our, our, Gratitude to Mike, our appreciation, our, um, but uh, I think our, our listeners know Mike well. Definitely uh, make sure you're following him on Twitter at Golden Sombrero, a fantastic Twitter handle. Um, Jim, Jonathan, I'm, I'm sure you have some things you'd like to say as well. Yeah, Mike, not only is a great employee, but he's a great friend. Um, yeah, I, I think you know, from day one when he started doing this stuff, you know, and he'd done it before other outlets, but like, you know, his, his knowledge, you know, was apparent and also just his passion for it. Like, like the, you know, the amount of hours we put in on the, on the writing side and, and Jason, you and your guys on the production and, and the management side, like <laughs> if you don't love your job, like it would be pretty grueling because it, it's not like we're just, you know, punching a time clock 40 hours a week. And, and Mike loved it and, and he still loves it. And, uh, and I just think his 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 knowledge and his passion for it was apparent in, in his work. He's been on the podcast several times, so our, our listeners know who he is. And you know, Mike's go on to have a great career after leaving MLB Pipeline. And uh, I wish him and his family nothing but the best. And I just wish we could continue to work with him. And I, I know Mike's talented, and he's going to have a great career. It, it just won't be with us, unfortunately. Yeah, I um. I, I, you know, it's, it's one of the things that bothered me over the last several years, eh, bothered me is maybe overstating things, you know, but Jim and I get the majority of the attention. Uh, you know, we do the TV shows, you know, Mike did some MLB network stuff, but, you know, I, I want everyone to, to be sure that, um, you know, especially as it pertains to the prospect rankings, you know, the minor league prospect rankings, he was very much our equal. Um, and the, this was a, a, uh, a triumvirate, uh, in the truest sense of the, of the word. And he hit the ground running. Like as, as Jim said, he, he came in, uh, and didn't, you know, it didn't take him long to sort of fold right in, and show that he could carry his weight. And that's a lot of weight to, to carry, to come right in and handle 10 teams. And, um, and it was, it's been a a joy to, to work with him and to share the, the workload with him. Um, I do agree with Jim that Mike is going to go on to incredible things. I, I look forward to him, uh, being able to do that, even if it'll be wistfully knowing that he should be doing it with us. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. We'll see you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.